Hello, and welcome to the Dungeon Chatter Podcast. This is Travis. And this is Victoria. And today we're talking about P for perception. So you have joined the Dungeon Chatter Podcast. And what we do on this podcast is um, each week, every other two weeks. Every two weeks. Every other two every weeks. Other, not, not those so weeks, but the not other Not once <laughs> a month, but every other two weeks. <laughs> Um, so what we do on the Dungeon Chatter podcast is uh, we go alphabetically through aspects of RPG creation and design. And so uh, each episode when we meet, we discuss a new aspect of RPG creation or design. Uh, we talk about what that concept is. We talk about how different games and systems do this um, that we like and that we don't like. And then we make our pitch, which is how we propose to handle that element in our game, and then we move on to back and slash, back and slash. in which uh, Victoria tells us everything that's wrong with everything we decided to do. Yep. And then Victoria does an outro. <clears throat> yes. So today's concept is perception. Mm-hmm. And so uh, let's just begin by testing the waters a bit, shall we? All right. So... Um, Perception is basically this thing that in a game, it allows you to notice things. Mm -hmm. Does that sound general enough? Yeah. Cool. So as Aristotle said, it's to receive the sensible form of a thing without receiving the matter of the thing. So getting a kind of impression of what's going on. Okay. All right. Um, and so uh, one of the grave dangers... Ooh. Should we talk about dangers or should we talk about the benefits of having such things? Let's talk about the benefits first, right? Let's, let's start positive. So, so many uh, games, RPGs, involve uh, some type of investigation, right? So um, there's going out and trying to fact find, um, there's uh, detecting ambushes, uh, there's looking at crime scenes. Um, traps. Traps, yeah. Mm -hmm. Hidden people, yeah. right? So thieves hiding out in the shadows. Um, maybe. Noticing what's good and like like a like the loot finding sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. That's a good one too. Um, looking for to be talked about secret doors, um, mm -hmm. unlocking stuff. I don't know. We might be repeating ourselves, uh, but um, sensing motives possibly. Right. So um, is this bad person? Uh, is that scene in Total Recall, um, the Arnold Schwarzenegger one, where this guy has a bead of sweat that runs down his head, and Arnold <laughs> notices that, so he kills him. Uh, yeah, so right. look, uh, perceiving <clears throat> could be many different things in an RPG, and, and it, it seems kind of crucial to an RPG. You have mm -hmm. to be able to, to detect these things, to notice these things. Um, and so uh, there's a value in having a system of perception resolution, right? So how are we going to resolve perception in this game? Uh, but then there's a danger. I sense a danger. Um, and this danger is that in uh, many actual plays... Right, so as people actually play the game, mm -hmm. um, they end up just um, spamming uh, perception. Um, and that means what it sounds like. So um, someone just, you, every situation, it's perception, 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 perception. Um, and used maybe in place where other things could work. Mm -hmm. Okay, now that's only a potential danger. Because yes. if that's the kind of game you want to play, um, it wouldn't be any more preposterous than... I swing my battle axe, I swing my battle axe, I swing my battle axe, right? So yeah. there's a door in front of you. What do you do? I chop the door down. Oh, there's a person standing there screaming. What do you do? I chop them down, right? Um, they have a nice, uh, like a treasure box in their room. What do you do? I chop it down, right? So it's just always chopping down. Yeah. So it's not just uh, perception. It's uh, just spammable skills mm -hmm. uh, pose potential problems. They do. Yeah. Cool. My counter to this, though, is... Oh, yes. Yes. Um, perception being used more than any other skill doesn't seem ridiculous to me. Mm -hmm. uh, just because, like, think about everything you do mm -hmm. in your day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. uh, you walk into a room and you look around. You, right. you listen. Like, perception is, like, this weird uh, abstract 
um, conglomeration of like all of your senses, um, mm-hmm. primarily sight and sound. Your two most used senses, I'd, I'd say at least the, the senses I probably use the most okay. are going to be sight and sound. And like I use them in literally everything I do. Like I don't, I don't know that there's anything that I don't, you know, require one of those two to do. Mm-hmm. So it, it just seems like uh, my, my argument is that it, it might not be ridiculous, but there might be better ways to do it. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about how certain games, uh, handle perception. Mm -hmm. Um, and we could begin with, um, okay. So Dungeons and Dragons kind of had a long process of kind of, uh, developing, let's call it development, right? So, um, developing this idea of perception. And I take it that, um, as changes were made, these were meant to be, um, refinements, right? So reactions to perceived problems with the system. I mean, that might not be the case mm-hmm. always, uh, but if you have, you know, five versions of D&D kind of spanning time, you would think that in general, they're trying to address some perceived problems. Um, and so, um, as I recall in first edition, uh, AD&D, there, there was no, uh, perception role. Uh, so there were, there was this ability to just detect secret doors. Mm -hmm. Um, I think elves had it possibly half half elves too. Just when you would walk within a certain distance of secret doors, they would automatically have a chance to spot them. Um, otherwise I think people could purposely search for things, uh, and try to find secret doors and things like that. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So that's first edition, right? So Mm -hmm. these are essentially like it's its own system, right? So there's not like perception doesn't fit neatly into the system. It's its own thing that you do. Um, and then uh, we move into um, second edition, um, and we get ability checks. Right. So we've probably talked a little bit about ability checks previously. I think so uh, somewhere at some point, but I can't remember where. But it doesn't matter if we. Yeah, you're I not, think you're I, not we've so. we've had. I, I can't remember <laughs> okay. either. I'm trying to remember the scenario, but. Yeah. Um. And so it was a uh, a wisdom ability check and that just means like the way D worked in first and second edition was you had like seven attributes um or abilities uh strength intelligence wisdom dex con charisma comeliness mm-hmm. uh so how attractive you were was a, an important part not just how well you handle people but your attractiveness um and so um of those seven skills uh, th- those seven things did various things for you uh so they would impact the game in lots of ways but one way they would impact the game is that um you would sometimes have to make an ability check and i think ability checks used to be just that you had to roll um under your ability so if the typical range was three to 18 for stats uh, stats and abilities i call those the same thing um so you have a 15 then you just have to roll a 15 or lower in order to succeed um, and ability checks were interesting because they were roll low as opposed to almost everything else in D&D at the time, which was roll high. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah so roll to hit, high roll. Mm-hmm. Um, roll damage, high roll. Uh, roll to saving throw, high roll. Yeah. Um, ability check, low roll, and also thieving abilities, low roll. I don't know. That's just All how right. it was. Okay. All right, so is that an improvement or a, a greater problem? Well, I, I don't know. Um, ability scores, uh, those are like your seven fundamental attributes, and now basically six fundamental attributes. Comeliness was dropped. Um, yeah, and so they should affect a lot of different things. Strength, strength affects a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So your ability to in those games to hit, uh, how likely are you to hit? Uh, how hard is the damage going to be? How much can you lift? How much can you carry? Those kind of how bend bars, lift gates. These were uh, abilities based off that. Mm-hmm. Knocking down doors. All right. So that was second edition. So we switched from its own system to an ability check, just like lots of other things. Um, in 3, 3.5, is that what we were looking at? We were looking at 3 or 3.5. Yeah. And we get the introduction of spot and search, mm-hmm. um, where spot is now a skill, mm-hmm. right? Um, search is also a skill. Yep. Um, and spot is a wisdom-based skill, so that's the carryover mm-hmm. uh, from the wisdom check. And search becomes an intelligence-based skill. Um, do you want to talk about those at all, or uh, how the skill system works, or how it's different from an ability check? Um, it, so, I mean, it's different from an ability check just in the fact that it is based on an ability check, mm-hmm. so you will add your ability um, modifiers to it, mm-hmm. but you can also choose as a character to up those or... Um, 
Yeah, I think you can only improve them. Like, you can't take points from them to <laughs> add them somewhere else or anything. Uh, but, it, like, so you can deliberately uh, enhance those. Um, yeah. What are it, skills? Skills is what skills, they're called? Skills, yeah. Okay, yeah, so you can enhance those skills. I think that's an important point, right? So if it's based off an ability, uh, ability checks are just check against an ability. And, and in first and second edition, those scores didn't change, really. Mm -hmm. It was all... It was incredibly uncommon for your skill uh, scores to change. As of third edition, what you get an ability point every four levels or something. Something like that. And yeah. I think in fifth edition, it's every other level. Or maybe it might be more like every three levels or every four levels. Uh, <laughs> so second edition was a kind of pretty static. Um, you weren't going to get better at it. Um, and it was based off your wisdom. Mm -hmm. uh, so it would have this weird effect, by the way. that So clerics would be really good at perceiving. Um, and maybe, like, rangers wouldn't. They'd be good at, like, tracking, uh, but not at um, spotting or perceiving, right? Yeah. Noticing things. And rogues wouldn't be. Again, I don't know who should be good at these things. I don't know why rogues should be better at than warriors at perceiving things or, or mages or whatever. But, but it does give a class an advantage. because, And the only reason I say that is because that, uh, for a cleric, uh, wisdom is the kind of main attribute, and you need at least a certain number in order to be a cleric, and then a uh, higher score in wisdom is what gives you your bonus spells and things like that. So mm -hmm. clerics tend to have the highest charismas in 1st and 2nd edition. Yeah. Okay, um, so 3rd, third, 3rd third and half, uh, we get these two different skills. One is based off wisdom, one is based off intelligence, but maybe we see that same general kind of problem happening uh, because the starting point would be um, people who are the wisdom score people, clerics, mm -hmm. and is there a spell another spellcaster or are they charisma? A druids are wisdom based. Okay. Um, yeah. Maybe rangers too eventually. Rangers, yeah, because that's their spellcasting. And then um, intelligence is the search one, and so that would mean certain kind of magic users. Yeah, wizards I think are based off of intelligence. Um, I think maybe warlocks or warlocks intelligence based. Charisma, I think, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. Uh, I don't play that system very much. But <clears throat> so the, here's the idea then. So um, you get an initial favoring based off your class, but as Victoria said, um, every level you can power these abilities up, and so it doesn't matter if you're a warrior, you could be good at. Spot or search. Yeah. Uh, I do want to say, I think in 3.5, there were certain skills that weren't um, uh, available to everyone. Uh, there, mm -hmm. Some skills were um, class-based, um, and some were like, you can do it, even if it's not in your class. But if it's not in your class, you can't upgrade it. Um, so there were some, mm. I, I don't know if spot and search were limited like that, but I know some skills were limited in the fact that you can't upgrade every skill, gotcha. even if you're a warrior or a, a, a wizard. So True. Um, do you remember 5th edition pretty well? A bit, yeah. Yeah, so do you want to talk about 5th edition a little? So 5th edition, they went from spot and search, and there was also listen in 3.5. So there were two different skills for that sort of just perceiving something. Um, and in 5th edition, they changed spot and listen into perception, just an all-around how you take in information. Um, and then there was investigate, which is basically search. Um we were looking at the rule books and trying to figure out what the difference between um, investigate and perception was. And they basically say the same thing, don't they? They do, right. So um, some people even write things like this skill is used in place of this. Um, what was the second one called? So we have perception and investigate. Investigate. So um, people would write things like people talking about distinction, this distinction, like on Reddit or whatever, mm -hmm. would say things like um, intuition intuition investigate is often used in place of mistakenly in place of spot uh, but then when you read the descriptions um, they allow that both can be um, intentional um, mm -hmm. and both can be uh, taking in information from your surroundings uh, so if they can both be intentional taking in information from your surroundings uh, then they pretty clearly overlap now mm -hmm. maybe it does they don't have to be exactly the same thing right yeah. one of them might actually subsume the other one one, one might be um, what we would say like a proper subset of the other one so one do, one seems to do everything that the other one does uh and the but the second one doesn't seem to do quite everything that the first one does yeah so yeah and maybe this doesn't sound quite like a problem but it, it is that same one is wisdom based and mm -hmm. one is um intelligence based and in fifth edition you can um 
do everything and you can upgrade everything, but you do get proficiency bonuses in fifth edition, which are like the same thing that we were talking about with like the class skill set. Mm -hmm. um, certain classes get pr higher proficiencies in certain skills. So it's that same issue of if you're a druid who needs high wisdom and you have a proficiency in, in um, what do you call it? Uh, sorry, perception. Mm -hmm. You might get a really high perception check um, and not be able to get a high investigate, whereas the opposite, a wizard might have a really high investigate because they've got a high intelligence mm -hmm. um, and not be able to get a high um, perception. But if one's a subset of the other, they might not be able to do everything that the other class can do. Right. Um, and so um, I'm going to talk about Middle-earth Middle role-playing and then we'll talk about some other just um, video game yeah. RPGs. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I wanted to drive home the idea, like, why this is a... What we're not saying. Okay, so one thing that we're not saying here um, is that, like, we don't look at, say, a warrior and say warriors can do a ton of melee damage, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, um, wizards, it's really hard for them to do it, so that's a problem. Um, it's not the fact that one uh, class might have an advantage over the other one. Um, it's that they would have an advantage in an area like perception. Yeah. Well, where, where I said before, like, perception's part of everything you do. Mm -hmm. um, so if it is this sort of, like, all-encompassing, you need it to do basically anything, um, that seems like a weird thing to limit for certain people mm -hmm. um, in this sort of... And I I don't know. I, I It might make sense to do that. It, like, you might have a dumb warrior who maybe doesn't stop and look around and rushes in. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. But if it, you still, like, look at things to know where to hit them or mm -hmm. to know what to smash or whatever. Right. So. Yeah. You know, but, a, you know, a warrior can be um, not perceptive, but so could a mage and so could a, a rogue, yeah. right? I mean, so, uh, whatever. Um, all right. So let me talk a little bit about Merp. Okay. Um, so uh, Merp was, um, perception was a skill. Uh, so it was a skill that, uh, broke down like middle earth role playing has, um, armor, what they're called like, um, armor or moving bonuses, right? So when you're wearing heavier armor, um, that inflicts penalties on you for doing co cool things like climbing and jumping and running. Mm -hmm. Um, but you could power up those abilities and there were like your combat abilities. So one handed edge, two handed weapons, one handed crushing, whatever, mm -hmm. um, concussion, I think they called it. And then there were some general skills, and then I think that perception falls into this area where there were only two skills, and it was perception and body development. And perception is for perception, and body development is for hit points. Interesting. Um, but they were kept separate, right? Mm -hmm. So they're separate from, like, everything else. Um, and so I, you were talking about, um, like, class-based bonuses. Um, mm -hmm. So there are two ways that Merp handles this class-based bonus. On one hand, they give you a certain number of points that you can distribute among the uh, relevant skills. Um, and on the other hand, they have every every time you level up, you get a bonus. Mm -hmm. um, and when you level up, th that bonus is actually pretty tiny. I think it's like between zero and three per mm -hmm. level. And that might sound big, but remember, Merp is percentile, so out of 100. Mm -hmm. um, so you might get um, a plus three to perception per level. And that's that not a big deal until you're like 20th level, then it's plus 60, right? Oh, wow. You're going to get much more bonus uh, from putting blocks, ranks into that. Each one, the first um, among the first ten blocks that you get, each one counts for five. So if you have ten ranks in it, and if you're a uh, so just so you know a little bit about the system, if you're a rogue, you probably have um, ten ranks way before level ten, right? So you have at least a plus fifty, uh, plus you have some level ranks uh, from the profession bonus. Um, and I think it's based off um, the stat intuition in that game. And, you know, so as a rogue, you might have a decent number there. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so it's not uncommon. I think we've talked in the past about having plus 100 to hit and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe perception doesn't go quite that high, but it wouldn't be uncommon to have a plus 50 perception to start or 30 perception to start. Um, so again, based off intuition, it's its own skill that falls. Uh, so it's not an, a stat or an attribute. It's a skill. And developed in the same way that body development is for hit points. For hit, uh, body development, every time you put a rank in it, you roll a die 10 for hit points and add them. So, um, <clears throat> Okay, so that's how Merp handles it, uh, which I guess is kind of 
sort of in between. I, I guess it's most like a skill mm -hmm. uh, in AD&D. Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. Um, okay, and so then we were thinking about how other uh, like video game RPGs handle it. Yeah. Um, so I think the one that we kept coming back to was... Um, We were but we were actually, I think, talking more about like things that glow, mm -hmm. and I can't think of any specific video games that do that oh. off the top of my head. Oh well, I mean, Mom's playing Red Dead Redemption. I think things glow, but I could be wrong. That's true. Uh, that's a weird. It's a special case. So, for sure. so I'm playing XCOM too. I don't know if you've seen. It doesn't happen often, but sometimes when you kill um, someone, like they they fall, mm -hmm. and a giant glowing yellow. <laughs> A uh, square appears and it's and it shows like a hand on it, like go grab this, uh, and so and it stays there for like three turns, mm -hmm. um, and then it's really clear. You don't, no one has to roll for that. Like literally, everyone on the screen can go to that and grab it if they want, or yeah. anyone could. Um, so that's about as painfully obvious as it gets. Yeah, that's true. Um, I know in there's like a bunch of video games that do that sort of hey. Look at this. This mm -hmm. is something you can get. Go get it. It sparkles. It, it has a beam of light shining mm -hmm. from the heavens down onto it. <laughs> um, and I think that that's an important thing in video games, almost uh, primarily because there are a lot of things that will look the same mm -hmm. but won't be interactive. They're just like decorative elements that you can't hit, can't destroy, can't pick up. Um, so that that's a a video game specific perception thing because you as a person playing the game right. need to know the difference between hey this is decorative don't worry about it and hey mm -hmm. here look here you need to grab this or whatever yeah you know um there's actually a game that i play sometimes that i, I can't remember the name of but it's a um it's a wizards of the coast game do mm -hmm. you remember that game uh was it the D, &D top down yeah one? i don't remember the name of it but um, so uh, I play a rogue in that game, and so on one hand, there when you kill people, you will see the shiny stuff mm -hmm. um, that falls. But my rogue has this ability, which is like a search or a spot. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. And so when I, I I can activate that, and when I activate it, like my screen slows down a little bit, so mm -hmm. um, so I move a little bit more slowly. Uh -huh. But it creates a kind of cloud around me, like a, a colored, oh, like a colored circle blob. around you. Yeah. yeah. And when I use that blob, whatever, when I, it's like a special highlight, we'll call it. If I take that special highlight and run around near the walls, then it will give me a greater chance of finding, and it will sometimes reveal doors. So that's, I guess, a game that does things in a pretty complicated way. So any old player can find loot when it's dropped, mm -hmm. uh, but there's still some special stuff that only searching um, mm -hmm. or... Maybe it's not just if you're searching, but maybe if you're searching and have that skill, you have a greater chance of finding it, and then it'll reveal different colored doors and things like that. Yeah. Um, so it's a kind of complicated way that the game handles it. Yeah, and like, um, so I guess the opposite of this in um, video game terms would be Bethesda games, where everything is interactive. Um, like, you can pick up everything. Um, I mean, there are some, like, debris elements that you might not be able to pick up, but uh, most like small objects or things that you can get so they don't call attention to them mm -hmm. except for in Fallout there's the VAT system which will help you see mm. enemies yeah. from far away um, but I think in Skyrim it doesn't have anything like that I don't think that there's a I can't remember uh, I don't think so a thing that will help you find enemies I mean I think if you crouch it'll let you it'll do the same like you're detected yeah. and let you know that you should look around mm -hmm. but it doesn't zoom straight towards the thing that is looking at you right uh like fallout will um so that's a, a different way like there's not glowing enemies or glowing loot for you to look at for the most part because it's so interactive so you're more likely to stop and like click on things anyway mm -hmm. to see what you can find yeah and one of the nice things or bad things i don't know maybe it's nice about um fallout is that you'll even you'll get color-coded things right so you can see yeah. I can't remember the colors, but maybe it's like a white or a goldish for, yeah, you can grab this, mm -hmm. whatever. And then there are red things. Like, you can grab this, but you'll be a criminal or someone will attack yeah. you or You're something like that. You're pitpocking, you're stealing. Mm -hmm. uh, this might negatively affect whatever your good to bad rating is. Yeah. Um, and that last idea is actually pretty cool because it kind of leads us into, um, I think, into the pitch, unless you have some other thoughts that you wanted to mention about some of these games. Um. Anything I can think else? Of right now. Okay, yeah. So um, 
moving into the pitch, um, I think that there are two important aspects of perception. Um, the first question is, whatever perception is, um, do I perceive the thing that is there to be perceived? Um, but then there's the second interesting question, which is like, do I perceive, we'll call it X, do I perceive X as X? Um, and those are two different questions, right? Yeah. Um, so we have a couple examples maybe that we can think about. Um, we had uh, this thought about um, just being in a kitchen. Remember this? Unless yeah. we came up with a better example. But, yeah, I think that's a good one. Yeah, the kitchen example works pretty well. So we were sitting in the kitchen and we were talking and there was um, like a box of uh, iced tea or something. Yeah. Or should we do the uh, toaster? Let's say, let's say toaster. Okay, let's do the toaster. All right. So you see a toaster um, and um, the toaster typically has one cord coming out of it, but this toaster has two cords. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so the question is, um, do you perceive that something is amiss with the toaster? Uh, like, do you see even as specific as this, the second cord? Or mm -hmm. do you think, like, something's weird about that toaster and I can't quite place it? Mm -hmm. um, and then the detailed question, which would be, um, do you perceive the toaster's second cord as, like, the trigger for a bomb? Which it is in this case. Yeah. Um, and so I take it that those are really different questions in very different scenarios. Mm -hmm. um, and probably anyone with some familiarity of toasters could could see there's something weird about that toaster mm -hmm. um, and anyone with familiarity with that toaster or toasters generally could think toasters tend not to have two cords yeah um, but I take it that the vast majority of human beings wouldn't be able to look at it and be like oh it's obviously a bomb mm -hmm. right? yeah um, <clears throat> and so uh, the reason that I'm drawing this distinction is because I think that perception is a really complicated thing um, and you might think that there's this, just do I notice something? And then the second thing, which is like classifying, right? So noticing and classifying. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, you might think that anyone can do the noticing, right? But I actually think uh, that often our ability to notice things is dependent on our ability to classify them. So if we can't classify it, we might not even notice that something's yeah. amiss. Yeah. This is all to say that complicated that perception is complicated. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if we're gonna use this, but mm -hmm. there is this case of this guy, I can't I don't know his name. I remember um watching a video about this in high school way, way back. Um, where a guy was blind, uh, as a blinded as a like a, a young child, maybe age five or something, um, and then was able to have surgery to get his sight back when he was an adult, like maybe in his late 30s, early 40s, something like that. And even though he could see, he was never able to use the ability to actually function. Like, so he still had to use a cane to get around and he would still need braille uh, because he couldn't perceive, like he could see a tree, but he couldn't perceive it as a tree because he hadn't learned the ability to see it as a tree, if that makes any sense. So I think that this is a good example of that sort of you can see things, but you might not classify it because you don't have the familiarity of that thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that that's a good real life example of that instance of he could see, you know, pretty well. I don't know what his vision like 2020 level was, mm -hmm. but he, he could see things, but you couldn't see that they were those things. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, and, and so um, do you think that that would affect his ability even to notice... Um, that there are things like that say that something is amiss or that whatever something like yeah, that. yeah. i think that like so <clears throat> yeah. he i don't even know if he could tell that something was a toaster without touching it mm -hmm. let alone see that there's a second cord coming out of it to know that um something's wrong there and if you're a little older um there was a movie called at first sight with val kilmer um that was about this but that was someone who um gained sight through an operation they had never been sighted and they gained sight um and it turned out that their world was kind of chaos because they couldn't make sense of what they were seeing right yeah. so you need the repetitions uh in order to make sense of what's out there mm -hmm. um okay so those are um those are some preliminaries okay yeah. so um there's do i perceive x and do i perceive x as x um and then when I'm thinking about perception, I'm thinking about it as Aristotle did again. So I'm, I'm taking on the sensible form of something um, without the matter, right? So I'm taking on the sensible form of the toaster. That just means I'm seeing something that's like squarish and um, silver. Um, mm -hmm. And then I'm seeing like these two squiggly black, black things. Like that's the sensible form. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, and I'm not taking on the matter, obviously, because, you know, the toaster doesn't appear, like, in my skull or something like that. Okay? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so here's the pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I propose that there's no special resolution system for perception. Um, and on one hand, I mean, like, no, not like in first edition D&D, where they're like, uh, if you walk within so many feet of a door, uh, roll to detect secret doors. Because uh, I take it that you need some kind of system like that for everything. Like, with, what about if I walk within three feet of an odor, right? <laughs> Do yeah. I detect it? What about, you know, 30 feet of a, a, a whatever, right? So um, yeah. you would need something, yeah, you just need something that's very specific then, uh, and maybe too specific. Yeah. I think especially with tabletop, because it is, it's just story-based, like, mm-hmm. it's somebody telling you what's going on. You right. can't, you don't have the option to just kind of notice it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need some sort of resolution for what does your character see. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a good point, yeah. right? Um, you know, this is maybe why video games work in the way that they do. Yeah. If, if you're not paying attention, then you don't notice the shiny thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just like stealing everything or taking everything that's available, then you don't notice the one that's red until it's too late, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think this is a fair distinction. So no special resolution system. Um, I also, um, so that's the first part. That's my pitch. Um, second part of the pitch is um, there's no no general perception ability, right? So it's not an attribute. It's not a skill um, I, I don't know that, on one hand, I don't know that there's such a thing as perception. Like, some people are just naturally perceptive. Probably not. Some people are naturally perceptive about certain things. Like, mm-hmm. some people are naturally perceptive about humans. Some people are naturally perceptive about cars. People are nat- some people are naturally perceptive about crime scenes. Some mm-hmm. people are naturally perceptive about colors, about, right? Yeah. Um, within domains. Um, and the reason I, I make this point is that I, I think sometimes people become overconfident that they have these like giant giant broad-based abilities mm-hmm. um now i know that i'm talking about how the world is and yeah. and we're talking about a game and yeah. i realize that these are different things um so this is just a, a defense of like the justification for what it is that we're doing in the system so i watched a video of this guy who was like a, a samurai and he had this really cool skill which mm-hmm. was um he could start off with his katana um sheathed and someone could fire a bb gun mm-hmm. uh, past him and he could pull out his sword and slash the bb uh, in half mm-hmm. uh, as it was coming like past him yeah and that was pretty awesome um and so they asked him um so why do you think you're able to do this and he said i probably have like really awesome perceptual abilities like so uh, in particular i i can perceive it and then i have hand-eye coordination to do this um and so they did all kinds of tests uh on him uh like the ruler test where yeah. you drop the ruler how quickly can you grab it other tests like that and it turns out that he had very average um hand-eye coordination with mm-hmm. everything except the one thing that he had trained for thousands of hours to do which was to swing a samurai sword right so it turns out that by swinging a samurai sword a lot he had developed the ability to swing a samurai sword mm-hmm. um and <laughs> and by uh looking for uh like a pinpoint area to strike he developed the area to pinpoint strike mm-hmm. He didn't become a better perceiver of anything else in the world or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, didn't become great at grabbing rulers when they're dropped or... <laughs> <laughs> uh, he didn't become a, you know, skilled at reading human emotions or, uh-huh. or anything like that. Yeah. Um, okay, now that's one story. I get it. But there are lots of, lots of stories like this where people are amazing at one thing um, mm-hmm. and they're just not awesome at other things. Yeah. One of the reasons why some baseball players are so good is because they've seen a ton of pitches that look a certain way and they can see the thread on the ball as it's coming in. Um, yeah, but that's because they've seen this pitch literally hundreds of thousands of times. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is why uh, a lot of people say that, what's that app called? Luminosity, oh, the yeah, one yeah, that's yeah, supposed yeah. to like train your brain. Uh, yeah. It doesn't work because you only, yeah. like you get really good at those games, but that doesn't apply to everything in your life. So. Yeah, I, I think, you know, in some of these cases, there might be minimal carryover, right? So does swinging a samurai sword get you better at swinging your arm? Uh, possibly. Yeah. yeah. Does it help you see small things whizzing past you? Possibly of a very specific sort. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Does he do it with flies, too? I don't know. (laughs) I want to see now if he can, like, smash those mosquitoes super Uh, well. All right. So we have no um, special resolution system and no general perception ability. And you're probably bummed out now because you're like, this isn't much of a pitch. (laughs) (laughs) It's just don't do this. Don't do this. (laughs) All right. So... Um, I actually think that because the reason that you don't need a special resolution system uh, is because you can make this all dependent upon two major characteristics. Uh, one of them is um, your skills and knowledges that you have, um, and the other one is the situation that you're in. 
Mm -hmm. um, so if you have a high skill in samurai sword and good lighting, then your ability to chop a, uh, <laughs> a BB that's fired, <laughs> that's the situation, right? Okay, so yeah, yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's, that means you have a good chance of hitting the uh, BB when it's fired past you. Yeah. Um, and if you're like Victoria or me, um, and it's at night and someone's shooting BBs at us, we're not going to be able to chop, yeah. <laughs> chop them with our sword. Uh, so it's the, the situation itself um, and then your training. Yeah. Um, so I don't, again, I'm saying there's, we're not going to have a general skill for perception. Um, and so that's the, the positive part of the pitch. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, I have three, like, three mini parts to it that sure. I'll run through pretty quickly. So one of them is um, one of the ways that people try to make distinctions between like um, spot and search or whatever and investigate perception, investiga perception whatever these are is mm -hmm. like one's active and one's passive, but perception doesn't work that way. Um, if you have skills, then you both have the skills when you're doing it passively mm -hmm. and you really have the skills when you're doing it actively. Mm -hmm. you, you, they don't go away, right? Yeah. Uh, now, if you're actively doing it, I take it that you're going to be better at doing it. Um, but, but people who are good at stuff can do stuff even when they're not specifically trying to do that stuff, unless they're incredibly distracted. Mm -hmm. But guess what? That's a situational factor then. So yeah. we have the situational factor and the skill level, skill or knowledge. Yeah. Um, okay. So yes. Is it active or passive? Yeah. It's both. Mm -hmm. right? Um, and if a player says, uh, I am actively searching this room for such and such, then that matters as opposed to, okay, I go and open the door and you're like, oh, he didn't say he wanted to check the third floorboard, right? So, uh, so no, he didn't. And so he walks it, onto it, yep. right? Um, okay, and then uh, that's the first mini part. The second mini part is what I'll call many paths to Rome. Um, and this is just the idea that um, there's not just one way of accomplishing a thing in the RPG. Uh, so someone who's familiar with uh, a particular space they might have a bonus because they have this intimate knowledge of their space. Like if it's in your room, we often know if things have been moved in our room. Yeah. Um, and other people might walk in there and be like, it's is all, there, you ugh, know, is um, anything out of order? How would I know? Yeah. Um, but maybe um, a detective uh, who has done a lot of missing person cases or something like that might be able to come in and say, something actually does look like it looks like um, this stuff that's here is probably here because of a struggle or something like yeah. that and not just randomly tossed down. Mm -hmm. um, and so notice that this combines these two things, right? So in both the cases that I've talked about, the person whose room it is notices um, that things are in different places. And so perhaps that someone has been in there, right? So they're noticing the things out of place as things out of place. Um, and the detective too, I take it, is doing something like that, right? So um, I'm seeing that this pattern of stuff spread out as a, mm -hmm. what did I say it was? A, a sign force. of a struggle. Sign of a struggle. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I had another example. Maybe a spy would be able to notice certain things. Uh, other people who know things like um, architects might be able to know. That's a weird kind of uh, room structure. So maybe it's like a false door or a yeah. false wall or something like that. Uh -huh. um, okay. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so active and passive, uh, many paths to roam. And then the last part um, is the role play versus role play, R-O-L-E versus R-O-L-L. -L. Um, and so I don't, I'm not trying to be a, a jerk about this, right? I'm not being dogmatic about this. But um, if you just want characters to roll a ton of dice or players to roll a ton of dice until they find this stuff, uh, then you can make the game such a way that they just have to keep rolling and rolling and rolling and then they find it. Mm -hmm. Unless it's Merp, because when they fail catastrophically, they're not allowed to roll ever again <laughs> in some cases, which is wow. pretty good. Um, um, as opposed to R-O-L-E play. So like uh, Victoria said previously, right? you're getting this information from a description that someone else is reading. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, all th yeah, I, I don't want to get too far ahead. There's a hack and slash piece that we have here. Yeah. Uh, but the idea is that... I like to encourage, and perhaps you do too, um, the players to um, interact with the environment. And I know that this can be too much, mm -hmm. right? So if someone's like, um, okay, I go over and pick up that book. All right, now I leave through it. Okay, right? And so they just keep going and they're like, uh, I'm going to look for underlined passages. And it's like, this is one book out of a thousand in this room. <laughs> This is going to take that's, some time. That's fair, yeah. Um, it would be nice, perhaps, to to be able to give them some kind of general reaction to the room like yeah nobody here notices anything out of order given your whatever your skills are mm -hmm. okay 
Um, so um, this is a good opportunity. So how you handle perception, I think, is a good opportunity to set the tone between R-O-L-E playing and R-O-L-L playing. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those areas that people can spam. And when I and again, I mean that like so, I'll roll. I'll roll for perception. I'll roll for per perception. I'll roll for perception. Um, and and if that's the game you want to play, by all means, go ahead. Um, it's not the game I want to play. In the same way that I don't want to play the game where it's I throw my axe, I throw my axe, I throw my axe, or roll for insight, 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 insight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's the pitch. Yeah. We got some constructive hack and slash. Yeah. Maybe some destructive hack and slash too. So we'll see how how hard I I slash. So we're gonna take hack. a long break and then we'll come back and then we'll do some hack and slash, and we're back. <laughs> And we're back. I did, I'm not editing this. <laughs> okay. This is all... All right. Okay. We're back with... Hack and Slash. Victoria. So what do you think? Um, so I do see a lot of um, ways that this can go wrong. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a lot of ways that this can go wrong. And I think that this one's going to be really heavily dependent on the type of GM you have yeah. specifically, and then also the type of players. Like you, mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be like the more familiar with the system you are, mm -hmm. probably the better. I mean, that's true with everything. Um, but like, like you said, that sort of, I look through this book. Mm -hmm. I think there's something wrong with this book. But I, I like, I, you can't just be like, I think there's something wrong with this book. And you, as a GM, is like. All right. What do you think is wrong? Like, how how do what do I do with that information? Um, uh -huh. Yeah, and I mean, it, um, so we had discussed this previously, where I was like, "All right, so in that toaster situation, yes, somebody walks into a room and there is a bomb there, mm -hmm. and we like let's say that it, it's time to go off in five minutes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so." Let's say an unfamiliar, like somebody who's never been in this kitchen before, has not seen that exact toaster before, walks mm -hmm. into a room. Do you, as a GM, like when you describe the room, would mm -hmm. you just mention two, two cords coming out of a toaster? Or <laughs> like how does the, the player get to the point of using their either their familiarity mm -hmm. with toasters or um, like get to the point of role playing? Uh, yeah, so, uh, so we have, remember the, the two factors that I'm saying are, are what situation really is, uh, what, sorry, perception really is, is the situation and your knowledge. Um, and so, um, check this out. So suppose that we had a person walk into this room and they had never seen a toaster before. Um, I might explain the toaster to them. Hey, there's a kind of, uh, metallic looking <laughs> box with, uh, with like twin black, whatever is coming out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and if the person's really playing their character, then like, well, that's, I don't know, I don't know what that is, but okay, what else is in here? Mm -hmm. Um, it might not stand out as important to them. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, knowledge, is, is it a character that has seen toasters before? Mm -hmm. Um, and if so, then that's the kind of thing, like, um, so did the, Okay, so did the, here that's the knowledge piece. The situational piece is, um, did the person who planted this bomb make any efforts to hide the second cord, mm -hmm. right? Like it laid them perfectly parallel to one another. That's pretty tough to spot. Yeah. Push them back against the wall, really tough to spot. Maybe you don't get a chance to spot in that case. I don't know, right? Yeah. Um, I say I don't know because I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, depends how the person enters, right? So... Um, are they just kind of dashing through this room to get somewhere else? Um, what are the odds that as you sprint through a room, you notice a second cord on a toaster? Pretty yeah. slim. Uh, okay, so uh, that's why I say these things matter, right? So this this goes into the what like the in D and D this would be like the DC, right? So the difficulty class or whatever we're calling that um, of the or the challenge rating of the thing that we're talking about. So how difficult is it to spot? Um, and if it's a, a minus three, um, which is like really difficult to spot, remember our, our typical range is plus three to minus three, plus three. Uh, so zero is like a kind, you have about a 50-50 chance in, if you're a normal person under normal circumstances, roughly 55 yeah. actually. Um, and then plus one, plus two, plus three, those increase to like 65, 79, and 90 something percent. Mm. And, that, and on the, the negatives, like those decrease in percentages too. Um, and so roughly like plus three is, about as easy as it should be where we would still ask you to roll. Mm -hmm. um, if you walk into the room and there's like a 10-inch thick 40-foot <laughs> cord coiled in the middle of the room <laughs> with bomb cord on it, then you don't, 
then you don't roll. Uh, <laughs> it's just, I would read that and you'd say, or I would speak that, right? say, and there's a 40-foot cord, it's black, and it says bomb cord. Um, <laughs> but in the negatives, that that's an interesting question. Uh, would your GM be a scumbag and give you stuff that unless you got really specific, like you wouldn't even have a chance to detect it? Maybe under certain circumstances, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't in general avoid that though right so yeah you'll have a chance to spot this um so as long as you don't stand in the kitchen for five minutes um you'll probably be okay with you know obliviously okay yeah okay how does that sound so knowledge and situation and and sometimes the uh knowledge is just typical background knowledge about um how appliances look (laughs) (laughs) that's fair okay i'm reminded of a a movie okay Um, have you seen the movie um it was a french movie and i think that so there was like just visiting was like the English remake of it. It was like the Le Visiteur. Um and so it stars um Jean Reno and he is a knight and he's sent into like the nineteen maybe nineties, early nineties. Um and one of the first things that he does is he sees this car, uh and it's just a parked car, and he starts like preparing his weapon and he like he launches a weapon at it and just hits this car uh so he has no idea so he can obviously perceive the car Mm -hmm. but he has no idea what it is um uh should he have let's see so um should he have known other things about the car like should he have known that it was made out of glass in parts um and metal in other parts i think he hits it on the hood right Mm -hmm. um i don't know he's never seen a car before i don't even know if they had glass they probably did have glass in the time that he was but i'm not sure right so this is just to say um a ridiculous movie it's a comedy uh but maybe that gets it right kind of about how uh, familiarity plays into the situation yeah yeah i know in hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy um Mm -hmm. this might just be because it might be a more um familiar Mm -hmm. to most of our listeners but in hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy the the alien on earth Mm-hmm. Uh, when he first comes to Earth, tries to hail a car as like the the prime species of that planet uh, because yeah, he yeah. doesn't he's not he doesn't know what a car is and mm-hmm. he sees it moving down a road and it's big and it's loud and so I'll buy that yeah uh, so those are cases where things I think are painfully obvious because they stand out mm-hmm. um, and then we could just uh, can we think of cases where there are things that seem insignificant because they're unknown to us in movies. Well, whatever. Yeah, right. So I right, I was thinking of um yeah, I just wonder like we should do a test. We should put a second cord on the um toaster and just leave it in the kitchen um and watch <laughs> people walk into the kitchen and see if anyone looks at the second cord. Yeah. Yeah. I I That'd think it's all just to say that um anyone who put a bomb on a toaster and had any amount of time to do it could conceal it in such a way that it would be a really difficult thing to detect. Yeah. Unless you were a member of a bomb, you know, a bomb squad, uh, or you sold that particular toaster, mm-hmm. um, and you walk into that room, and you're like, "Whoa, that's the, you know, model twenty one A." And what? There's a second cord on it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, let me drive home the the point of this criticism. Sure. Um, it doesn't give a kind of clear answer to what. So the many paths to Rome sounds appealing. Uh, but it also doesn't give enough guidance. Maybe you might wonder, like, well, what am I? When do I roll? When yeah, do I whatever? Yeah. That's that was, I guess, kind of my question. Yeah, yeah a good jamming question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next. <laughs> okay. No, it's actually a really. I, I take it that the the GM question of when should a character, um, when should a player have to roll for something, mm-hmm. I, I think, is a fantastic question. Um, if it's going to kill them, uh, they should probably get a roll in it. Right? Yeah. Um, Okay, if you're going to die. Yeah, well, think about the things that we don't make people roll for, but that they um, that they could fail at. Mm-hmm. We don't make people roll to walk across the, a room just leisurely, mm-hmm. but people walking across the room sometimes uh, kick their little toe off the table by accident. Yeah. Um, or someone, right, right. So yeah. uh, we, we don't make rolls for that, but we just assume that they it'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Um that would be a really good question for um, an episode. So R is for roll with a question mark? Sure. <laughs> Maybe. Um, that could work pretty well. That, that would be interesting, right? So when should we roll? Too big a question to tackle now. I just want to reinforce that idea of the, the general situational modifiers are minus 3 to plus 3. Um, 
if something is more than a plus three, why bother? Just let them do it, right? Yeah. So, um, and if it's more than a negative three, um, you should probably make it really clear to them how insanely stupid the thing is that they're trying to do. <laughs> All right. Like, I'm going to jump that building. You're like, no. <laughs> like, are you sure you're, you're, you're going to jump that building? Uh, so just remembering your greatest jumps in the past, you know, yeah. <laughs> you'd have to do about five times better than that just for the height. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so that's yeah, that's a good, uh, it's a fair point. This is a point that came up also when we talked about um, our character creation system. Was, did it? The yeah. open-endedness of it, right? Oh, so the open-endedness yeah. is like, well, what's specific enough for a, a profession? Mm-hmm. I plead the fifth. <laughs> that's fair. Okay. All it's right. a good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, other hack and slash? I mean, you kind of shut that all down it's it's we'll we'll talk about it i think when we get to the role because that was my main question is okay. the sort of um i guess trust of players for their gms mm. to let them know that there's something there right. to investigate um or they'll be spamming the question is there anything there is there anything there is there anything there is there anything there mm-hmm. it's not a role then it's just they get to ask which might be spammed even more because it's not a role i'm not sure yeah um uh, so i we were talking about um so the way one of the ways to handle this is by um uh who gets to do the rolling Mm -hmm. (laughs) r-o-l-l i-n-g oh yeah Uh, right right. so remember how we talked about this piece uh so i'm of the mind that perception roles or whatever counts as perception roles uh should be done by the gm uh like Always. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a really cool way that we can do in our system, which is the player, I can just say to a player, roll a d20, mm-hmm. um, and then I can roll three dice six behind my screen, and they won't know if any of those dice or all of those, those dice count, and if they count, are they pluses or minuses? Yeah. Uh, so you might know that you rolled a 15 or something like that, but you have no idea if that's going to succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just know what out of 20 you scored. Um, and that's kind of how perception works. You don't know when you've perceived all there is to perceive. You don't know when you have missed something. You don't know when you've misconstrued evidence. Um, but this requires that the GM have the player character's um, skills and abilities yeah. in mind. Um, so this uh, might threaten to introduce bookkeeping. Yeah. That was another uh, hack and slash piece that we talked about that that's I think true. partially addresses the concern too. Mm-hmm. Um, so when should someone have to roll? Well, it depends on what their skills are. Yeah, for right. sure. Mm-hmm. And there's also the question of what skills might apply. Mm-hmm. Like, Russian literature probably doesn't help you with um, seeing a second chord on a toaster and knowing what to do about that. Doesn't. Um, yeah. yeah. But how about, you know, Unless... maintenance? Oh, yeah, maintenance. Yeah, maintenance is a good one, yeah. Would that one help? Would that sure. one, I mean... Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> Why not help out the players, right? So yeah. uh, if they have something that kind of works, let, let it kind of help. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Russian literature. We could probably think of a case where it works for Russian literature. Like the, it's like a, a, a like a, a tie back to some <laughs> Russian novel from the eighteen hundreds. Well, I was of thinking, a toaster <laughs> with a second chord. I was just thinking, like maybe this toaster has a theme on it. Um, like it's, um, you know, like wrapped uh, with some graphic-y thing, and it's just like famous russian novels uh written on it or something like that or and the one like chord got says, one like it's been scratched into it very faintly yeah. with some sort of russian uh quote of i like it yeah but not and then but and everything has including the one chord but not the other chord you're like why, why does that other chord say like donald duck instead of like some other uh <laughs> you know russian names or something like that I got like, that's weird yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh because the person who was doing the sabotage what didn't know russian literature mm, so, so they just pick some random yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. I like the person who wrapped their toaster in Russian <laughs> uh, novelist figures. You never know. Mm-hmm. Could happen in an RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, so two good questions so far. Um, when should they roll? And doesn't that introduce more bookkeeping? Yeah. And the answer is sometimes. Uh, and not necessarily. Right. Uh, that is a really cool question, though, that that other one about um, should the DM, uh, the GM be the one rolling um, or should the player be the one rolling? And there are lots of cases where it makes perfectly good sense for the players to roll. You don't want to take the role away from players because otherwise, what are they doing? They're just yeah. sitting there being told a story. Right. Yeah, basically. Um, and so uh, 
people like to roll. So our system allows people to roll. They could always roll the d20 for everything. Um, as opposed to um, a system where, uh, you know, if you're going to let the players roll um, and you don't know their skills, then it becomes pretty weird. It's like, hey, uh, just give me a bomb detection check. <laughs> so you, yeah. like, you walk into the kitchen, you're like, roll bomb detection quick. Why? there's not a lot of reasons why right yeah Uh, yeah. i have seen uh in critical role the the gm's pretty good about hey give me this role and they're like okay i got a i got a 16 you're like there's nothing there i was fucking with you but they'll Uh do that uh because he like he knows his players will use that so he will deliberately mislead them that's good yeah you know and this this is about the rapport that you have with your player and the gms and the players have to um, they've got to make the final decisions about how best to do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know a lot of people who would revolt openly um, if I didn't allow them to roll stuff, right? And, so uh, I don't know why I would want to do that anyway. But mm-hmm. I'm happy to let them roll the d20 and I'll roll the modifiers or the fake modifiers. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. important. Uh, yeah. Good. Other hack and slash? Did we cover everything? Uh, we kind of meandered all around there. I think we we got it all. Should we run, uh, we can run back through things. Um, I normally do a recap and then we'll see if there's anything that comes up that we should still be talking about. Sure, sounds good. Um, So we started off with the concept which was uh, perception Mm -hmm. and um, I started off with a pretty, like I like to start with pretty clear understanding. Sometimes we've suffered because we didn't have especially clear understandings or multiple understandings, like a clear, multiple clear understandings that didn't mesh up. Um, so Aristotle's notion of taking on the sensible form of something without the matter, um, and the way that it's used in RPGs is detecting things, spotting things, investigating things, just getting intel from the environment, basically. Mm-hmm. We talked about, um, first, second, 3.5, and fifth editions of D&D. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about MURP. We talked about a couple different RPG systems, Sword Coast, Legends of Sword Coast, Sword that Coast Legends. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. The, that's the uh, game that I would play. The Wizards of the Coast uh, game that he talked about. Yes. And then uh, we also talked about some Bethesda stuff. Uh, Bethesda stuff. stuff um, and then just generally other video games that have that sort of like hmm. flashing symbol look here sort of perception, which is a lot of different games. It's a pretty common uh, feature. And I mentioned XCOM, uh, XCOM and XCOM 2 that I'm playing now um, as having that like painfully obvious. Uh, here's a gut kind of glowing gold ring. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are how uh, various games handle it. Um, and then we moved into the, uh, the pitch, which was framed by these two major questions. So do I perceive this thing and do I perceive the thing as the thing? Um, and I, my point there is to drive home this idea that often perceiving a thing depends on see, uh, perceiving it as what it really is. Otherwise, it won't register. Mm-hmm. And your ability to perceive things as what they are, that's dependent upon your like skill and knowledge mm-hmm. um, and the situation you're in. Ideal conditions for perceiving and, and things like that. Um, and so uh, we talked about the pitch as no special resolution system for perception. It doesn't get its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a... So it... And it's not a... Its own ability either. It's not a special ability, mm-hmm. right? So no special resolution, no general perception ability. And then the three, three-pronged approach, which was um, it is both an active and a passive skill. Um, better when it's being active, probably, but yeah. but active and passive. Um, many paths to Rome. Uh, this idea that there's not just one way that you have to go about approaching, uh, finding the thing. Yeah. Uh, lots of different skills would get you there. Um, and uh, then the idea of thinking about where you want your game to fall on this continuum between R-O-L-E play and R-O-L-L play um, and my suggestion that the pitch uh, could drive you toward R-O-L-E playing as opposed to R-O-L-L playing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know when the hack and slash brought out some good thoughts. So do you want to recap uh, the major hack and slash points? Uh, so the, the main hack and slash points I think were... Um, this when do you get to roll as a player, um, as well as this sort of trust in the the GM to point out things that a perception roll or something might take care of uh, in order to get you to the point where, as a player, you can use your skills um, to interact with those things. Uh, was there anything else in Hack and Slash? Like I said, we kind of... The bookkeeping question and the when to roll yep. um, are the important ones. Um yeah, I, you know, 
I th I think that we have to we should definitely preview that idea of when should we when should you roll. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good question. Um, yeah. I'm I don't I just think that there are a lot of times where um you should not have your player roll. They should just be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Um and maybe there are some cases where they can just fail, but you know, you might want to let them see how they fail. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a good reason to let them roll. Um Yeah. I think that was it, right? So I think that so. Was good. Yeah, so um, it might require that you know things about your character, uh, but in this system, it's just, you know, most characters are going to start with somewhere between like three and seven skills. Mm -hmm. They're probably not, probably not going to add a ton more because they're probably going to be interested in adding those together. But it's not that hard for a GM to have just a little list that has everyone's skills. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, you have a reasonable sized party and you've played a few times, you should know the party well enough to have a good sense of uh, when those would come in. Um, and there can always be the player who's like, but what about my whatever ability? And then we have to handle those, you know. Yeah, so as possible. they come in. Maybe if the GM messes up, the player gets an extra experience point. Boom. Yeah. Cool rule of thumb. I just made that up on the spot. Bravo. <laughs> Congrats. Uh, thank you. Uh, okay, so I think we're finished. I think right? we're good. So, uh, so that's Perception. It's not, not a general, a not a general, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> not a standalone piece. It's part of what we do. I think that speaks to your point, which is it's so much of what we do. It's not a standalone thing. It's mm -hmm. kind of who we are and it's yeah. so tightly integrated to our knowledges. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. Maybe this is why Merp, you know, treats perception and body development as these separate kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, we, I want to revisit hit points a little bit um, later, right? So, yeah, you know, is... Yeah, hit points are tough, right? So hit points are really they're, tough. There's so much uh, a part of what you are. There are these multiple different ways of thinking about how hit points work. Um, well done, Merp, for grouping those two things together. Uh, In a weird way that I think a mm -hmm. lot of people might be kind of judgmental on first glance. But. Yeah. Putting them in their own group as two standalones, that's, that's pretty clever. Um, the, I don't know if it's been clear to the listeners, but... Um, I, Merp is the first game that really got me thinking about what a good RPG system could be. I, I think it's actually brilliantly designed. It just has big numbers. Yeah, uh, and so, which and a lot of people a, don't like. Totally, yeah. Total turnoff for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, but um, if you ever ask a question uh, on Twitter, like, uh, tell me about a game that does this well, I'll almost certainly say Merp mm -hmm. and my game. Uh, <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're getting there. Um, cool. Cool. Uh, I did want to uh, bring up the point that I thought, um, which is a lot of what we, we try to aim for is this like sweet spot of mm -hmm. um, ease and realism. And I think that this is definitely way heavy on the realism side and definitely harder on the ease side mm -hmm. because there is just a lot of um, situational factors uh, and things. Where, whereas in, at least in D&D, there's this really easy abstract thing called perception, uh, which I know is way less realistic and um, it, it might be susceptible to spamming, but it's also just really easy to be like, are there any chests in here? Roll a perception check. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. uh, not like, are you familiar with this type of, you know, lock or whatever? Like, do you see this sort of mm -hmm. engraving as something special? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, less bookkeeping for sure. So that is another hack and slash thing to, to keep in mind. All right. So um, if D&D &D, uh, is a single perception roll, there's also a DC on it. That's true. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so um, at best, D&D &D gets like one step easier because it's perception and DC. But it could also be not perception, but this other one, investigate okay. and DC. As we're in this system, we have DC, which mm -hmm. has to be fixed, right? That's the one that fluctuates. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's, but it could be more than just these two different skills. It could be a different one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, there's like one more degree, say, of mobility in the system. Um, doesn't strike me as especially hard, but I'm the GM, right? Yeah. Um, and I have experience with it. Um, it's something to think about, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I get that 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 idea. Mm -hmm. right? So. Um, when, maybe when we talk about R, like when should we roll, mm -hmm. um, you'll see how, maybe how I think about GMing, uh, shows that a lot of these cases aren't actually that important. I just think people shouldn't roll as much as they roll in RPGs, not for searching stuff. You should just role play it out. 
Okay. You shouldn't roll R-O-L-L. You should role play it out. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, unless it would be tedious and awful. Like you walk into a room and there are 700,000 chests. And you're like, can I find the, you know, I don't know, the whatever. Mm -hmm. The one that came from the left-handed pirate from whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like, yeah. It'll take a lot of looking at the handwriting or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> good. Those are good. Three good hack and slashes. Okay. And it brought us back to our core design principles. Mm-hmm. Reasiness. Reasy. Real easy. Real easy. <laughs> uh, so it seems as if I've been Travis. I might possibly have been Victoria. And you have been listening to... Hey guys, thanks for listening to episode 16. If you want more Dungeon Chatter, please check us out at DungeonChatter.com or follow us on Twitter at, at @DungeonChatter. And if you really liked us, it'd be super cool if you left a review on iTunes and told your friends who are also into RPG stuff, or maybe just curious about RPG stuff, or possibly completely indifferent to RPGs entirely, but you think might still enjoy this. We definitely appreciate it. Our next episode, Q is for Quest, will be out in two weeks on Monday, June 10th, so we hope to see you then. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>